Wow. All I can say is wow. (laughs) My conversation with Malik was absolutely amazing, but he also got me to think deeply about CEOs and what they should be thinking about the optimal workforce. We start our businesses, we come into these businesses, we have our core competencies or our value propositions, but as we grow as a company, we try to bring in more and more full-time employees. But sometimes I question, is that really necessary? Might we keep a smaller, sustainable workforce and add on those areas of expertise by consultants, freelancers, whatever you want to call them, but amazing talent that you may need for a long time or maybe short assignments. It gives you that agility and that flexibility to change with the environment, keeping your core competencies head down and doing the work you need. But the world of freelancing consultants, you might want to think a little differently about evaluating your current employee business model. Let's listen. I think freelancing is the future for one key reason, and that is it appeals to our innate desire as a human to be free. Why do you say TGIF Friday? You know, thank God it's Friday. We don't say thank God it's Monday. Why? Because come Monday, we lose some of that freedom. You know, eight hours, 10 hours a day, somebody else, our employer is deciding what we do, how we do it, with who we do it with, and when do we do it. Freelancing gives us that freedom even during Monday to Friday. And as humans, we if there's anything else that we crave, it's the freedom that we have in our life. And freelancing offers that. And it's supported by some of the numbers. You know, today, 35% of the U.S. workforce is associated with freelancing. That number is going to increase to roughly 50% by 2027. The growth rate would be even higher for countries like the Philippines and India. Freelancing is the future. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of Illumination Partners, and I am grateful you have joined me for another episode of the Drop-In CEO podcast, where I get to speak to amazing leaders week after week and bring their insights and inspiration to you. And if you like this program, please, please subscribe, rate and review, share with others so we can bring you great programming. And today it is my distinct pleasure to introduce to you my friend and colleague Malik Parekh. He is based in Singapore. Marik is an avid entrepreneur, highly sought-after keynote speaker, and best-selling author of Future Proof, Your Career and Company. And it is over the years with his popular leadership seminars and workshops, he has inspired over 10,000 leaders and prepared them for increasingly disruptive future. And prior to his entrepreneurial and literary ventures, Malik was an award-winning CEO of a global company such as Inspirio and SPI Global. And under his leadership, these companies won over a 100 awards, including Best Company of the Year, Best Employer of the Year, 
and Best Leadership Team of the Year. He was recognized as the ICT CEO of the Year, and Malik holds an international MBA from the Thunderbird School of Global Management. And it is my distinct pleasure to bring him onto the show for this conversation. Thank you for joining us, Malik. Thank you for having me, Deb. Uh, good to be with you. And I am so excited to also meet your community. So you are on the other side of the globe. For my listeners here, just so you know, I am in the wonderful state of Ohio in the United States, Cincinnati to be exact. And you are currently, I understand, in the Philippines? That's right. Yes. Yeah. And with technology, it is really a global community. I am so forward, looking forward to sharing our thoughts with both your community as well as mine. And I think when it comes to just thinking differently thinking ahead, thinking about what the future looks like. Yes, we have had a once-in-a-lifetime experience, a global experience, all of us, of the pandemic. But you know what? It is a wonderful time to pause and reflect and think about future-proofing our careers and our lives. So Malik, would you please share with our listeners a little bit about yourself personally, your journey, and the purposeful work that you're doing now? Sure. Well, thank you, Deb, for that kind introduction. You know, I can probably start with the book that I just recently published, as you mentioned. The, the title of the book is Future Proof Your Career and Company. And it's essentially a guide on how to flourish in the era of AI, digital natives, and the gig economy. Uh, and I wrote that book for two reasons. Um, you know, for the last three years in my job as a CEO of one of the largest business process outsourcing companies here in the Philippines, I saw three distinct forces at play. You know, I saw artificial intelligence slowly trickling into the workplace and starting to replace some of the things that the humans were doing before. I saw digital natives starting to storm the workplace. In fact, uh, Almost uh, 100% of the employees that we hired over the last three years in my job were either Gen Zers or Millennials. And the third thing that I noticed was that the, the gig economy was becoming very popular. And it was not only changing who got the job done, but also where, when, and how. So when this pandemic hit us all by surprise uh, some 15 months ago, I realized that a lot of the leaders had no choice but to spend most of its energy on thriving and surviving during this pandemic. And I thought that uh, maybe we are taking our eyes off of the horizon and not eating what they call chewing gum and walking at the same time. And I think as leaders, we have to do both. We can't just focus all of our efforts in the urgent and important quadrant. We have to also focus on not urgent, but important quadrant as well. And the three forces that I talked about, Deb, artificial intelligence, digital natives, and the gig economy, they're not as urgent as the pandemic per se, but they are going to be very important in our lives because they're going to disrupt the way we work, the way we live our lives. I love that. I only in the last, say, four years became acquainted with that model that you talk about prioritizing what we do. What is important and urgent is, of course, what we do now. Urgent, but not so important. Could we have somebody else or we could um, have somebody else do it? Um, and I could go on and on what we can delegate and then what is no longer important. But those things that are maybe not urgent right now, if we ignore them long enough, then they become urgent and we're not prepared. So, so critical as leaders to understand that we have to pay attention to these disruptive processes. Otherwise, we're going to be caught trying to catch up. 
That's right. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. So, so as leaders, knowing, so this is your insight and future-proof your career. So what are some of the key points that you talk about? Like what could senior leaders start doing now if we want to prepare ourselves for the next disruption? Because I don't think anybody wants to be caught with the next crisis. And I don't think it's going to be another hundred years before we have the next crisis. We should be planning for crisis as if it's going to happen every 18 to 24 months. So what could a leader start doing now? to prepare ourselves for the sustainability of who we are as leaders and as well as the businesses that we lead? Sure. So in the book, I actually talk about five things companies can do to future-proof their organizations, and then five things leaders can do to future-proof their careers. And maybe I can just briefly give you an insight on five things that companies can do, given your audience's uh, high-level executives and uh, CEOs. So one of the first things companies need to do is to digitally transform themselves. One thing that we have learned from this pandemic is that digital transformation is not nice to have anymore. It's a must-have for any organization. Those companies who have survived and thrived over the last uh, 15 months are the companies who proactively transform themselves before waiting for this pandemic to happen. And one of the examples that I gave in the book is uh, Domino's Pizza. The company did significantly better in 2020 compared to 2019, despite the pandemic, whereas its competitor, Pizza Hut, the parent company of Pizza Hut, filed for bankruptcy. What's the key difference? Because Domino's Pizza had been going through this process of digital transformation for the last eight years. They didn't wait to transform the company after the pandemic hit us. Just a great example of how companies were really doing well despite the pandemic. The second thing companies need to do is they need to instill a very strong purpose within the organization. What does that mean? It means that companies no longer can survive by just focusing their efforts and energy on their quarterly financial results, meeting their sales quota on a regular basis. They need to attract now the next generation, the Gen, Gen Zers as well as millennials, And they deeply care about whether the companies are going beyond just the financial targets and making a difference in the communities and the world. So if you as an organization don't have a very strong purpose where you're making a difference in your communities in the world, you will have a hard time attracting and retaining the next generation of people who will be essentially making up two-thirds of the workforce by 2030. So that's the second thing you need to do. The third thing companies need to do is they need to create a culture of innovation. And a lot of companies think that innovation is about technology. It's not. It's actually about the mindset. And the mindset is very simple. As a company, what are you focused on? Are you focused on the timeless aspect of your organization or the temporary aspect of your organization? And what does that mean? If you look at the example of Blockbuster versus Netflix, Blockbuster was focused on the temporary aspect of its business model, which was, hey, we are a brick and mortar company. You need to come to our store, rent a video and bring it back after three days or we'll charge you late fee. Netflix, on the other end, focused on the timeless aspect of their organization. And what is the timeless aspect of the organization? It's the creativity, ingenuity of their employees. Netflix started as a DVD by mail organization, but seven years later, they moved into streaming. Six years later, they went from just streaming movies to making movies. They purposefully stayed true to the creative aspect of their organization instead of 
getting married so closely with their current business model. So the way companies need to go about their uh, structure, about their culture of innovation is by instilling more creativity, more ingenuity within their employees and uh, as an organization. One of the other things that I talk about, Deb, uh, is uh, how do you create a culture of fun where your employees are having a, a great time going through this expedition? It's going to be very hard. It's going to be very challenging as you look at the next 10 years and the disruptions that you'll have to overcome. But unless you create that culture of fun, excitement, you're going to lose some of your employees. So it's up to you as leaders to make sure that your employees are having a good time while they're going through this process. So I would love to ask you another question, the gig economy. I know you've talked about that a little bit. And so often we used to look at the younger generation, the Gen X, the Gen Z, where they were constantly moving around. We thought they were just impatient and really had no loyalty. But I'd love to know your thoughts a little bit more about, you know, maybe that could be now the new normal, the gig economy, people in short-term assignments, but providing the best value that you can. What are your thoughts on that? No, you hit it right on the nail, Deb. I think freelancing is the future. For one key reason, and that is it appeals to our innate desire as a human to be free. Why do you say TGIF Friday? You know, thank God it's Friday. We don't say thank God it's Monday. Why? Because come Monday, we lose some of that freedom. Eight hours, 10 hours a day, somebody else, our employer is deciding what we do, how we do it, with who we do it with, and when do we do it. Freelancing gives us that freedom even during Monday to Friday. And as humans, we if there's anything else that we crave, it's the freedom that we have in our life. And freelancing offer, offers that. And it's supported by some of the numbers. You know, today, 35% of the U.S. workforce is associated with freelancing. That number is going to increase to roughly 50% by 2027 the growth rate would be even higher for countries like the Philippines and India. And we are not just talking about Uber drivers or the people who are delivering pizza at your home. We are talking about highly trained professionals in the fields of IT, in marketing, in legal, in accounting. So freelancing is the future. Something else that is going on for freelancing is that it doesn't matter what your age is. You could be 18-year-old or 108-year-old. As long as you know how to work the internet and you have something to offer to the world, you can be a freelancer. And it's so critical because a lot of the baby boomers who are hitting 65-year-old age, that magic number when the companies are saying, hey, thank you for your services, now you can retire, are saying to themselves, hey, I can work anything. There is no physical or mental limitation as to what I can do in my life. Why am I asked to retire? Baby boomers are now going towards freelancing, 29% of the baby boomers today are doing freelancing work. And that number is going to continue to increase because people are living longer. They need more financial means to survive for this many years. So in, a, in, in short, you know, I'm super excited about freelancing. And I think that's the future that uh, we are going towards. Thank you for all of that, because I was a little scared as I left corporate. Uh, there was that security and there was great financial reward for the work that I was doing, the opportunity for different experiences, as well as the resources at my disposal, but then transferring my skills into being a business owner and trying to find the ideal client. And it takes time. It takes a hard work to be able to connect and show where you find value. But you know, when you find that perfect 
a client, whether you work for them for three months, six months, 16 months, the joy of that work and that relationship is so rewarding because it's very targeted for a particular outcome, hopefully for a sustainable impact. And if nothing else, you build these amazing relationships, which sometimes we yearn for in an organization, but the organization fails to deliver. So we turn to the gig economy, find the people that resonate with us, do the purposeful work, leave an impact. It is glamorous. It is challenging because you always have to be in search of, but you build that reputation, those relationships. When you do work for that perfect client and service them, it is amazing the results that you achieve together. No, absolutely. You know, there was a survey done recently that said that uh, the number one reason for work-related stress is not that people are getting overworked. It's the office politics. As a freelancer, you don't have to deal with that. You know, as you mentioned, you have a choice of which client to work for. And eventually you find that perfect client who keeps giving you more and more work. So you create that uh, perfect scenario in your life where you are not worried about somebody backstabbing, somebody who is trying to outmaneuver you for a promotion because you don't care about that anymore. You are just there to contribute. You are there to create value. You are there to sing your song and get paid for it. So let me switch it a little bit because I'm now not going off your talking points, your script and all of your wonderful talking points, but gig economy, being a freelancer may not be for everybody. Somebody may enjoy the stability of being part of a larger community and the stability of the paycheck and the work that they're doing. But in the context of future-proofing your career, somebody is within the context of an organization, maybe maybe not a CEO, because people that listen to this podcast are maybe mid-career or an emerging leader. What can they do now to future-proof their career? I think one of the first things you have to do, whether you like freelancing or not, is you have to now get married to the concept of lifelong learning. The idea that I have finished my higher education and I'm done learning, now it's about time to optimize what I've learned and get paid for it, is gone. It's dead. Because even if you are not interested in being a freelancer, now you're competing with somebody who is a freelancer. And because they're a freelancer, They are constantly honing their skills. They are sharpening their saw every single day. And one day, company is going to say, you know what? I have a choice between Deb and Molly. Deb is a freelancer. Every time she comes, she comes up with new ideas, new ways of doing things. She's up to speed on her skills, whereas Molly has been sitting here collecting paycheck, and I think he's getting a bit stale. Who would you keep as an organization? So even if you are not interested in being a freelancer, you have no choice but to be married to lifelong learning. Something else that you need to do is in the world of AI, we talked about AI early on, you have to become the best human you can be because there are certain things AI would not be able to replicate. And what are some of those things? AI would not be able to replicate your creativity, your ability to decipher whether something is fair or not your ability to connect the dots between two disparate fields. You know, there was an article or there is an example that I write about in the book when in Japan, there was a big issue with the bullet train. Every time the bullet train went past the tunnel, it would create this very loud sonic boom that would wake up the people living in those homes around the track. It would wake up the passengers who are trying to sleep at night. 
So they tried to find a solution for it. And the solution they found was at the intersection of engineering and ornithology, the study of birds. Because the chief engineer of Japan Railways was a big believer in bird watching. And he found that a kingfisher, when it dives into the water to catch a fish, hardly creates a splash. And it's because the beak of the kingfisher is designed in such a way that it allows the water to glide past the beak versus being pushed and creating a splash. So he decided that instead of a bullet-shaped nose for the train, if he gave the train a nose of a kingfisher, a beak of a kingfisher, they tried that. They gave a bullet train a 50-feet beak, and it solved the problem. So imagine... If you give this problem to AI, would it be able to solve it? No, because AI can only do one thing. AI can go after one-trick ponies. So those of us who want to thrive in the future forward, we need to be a multi-trick ponies because AI would not be able to teach us. I write in the book that all of us need to be like Leonardo da Vinci. He was not just a painter. He was into many different things. He was in architecture. He was in different aspects of the company you know, in life. So if we can do that, then, you know, our career is going to be future-proof. You know, I love what you say. I mean, these episodes here, again, it's a conversation for our listeners to just kind of listen into the conversation and see what insights they can gain. But I also gain a lot of insights myself because, yes, I... For my career, yes, I did a job, I delivered results, but I so love now the reinvention of myself, understanding what a brand is, what is my purpose, what is it that I'm meant to serve and do on my own terms versus falling in line with that of a company. And so I think one of the messages for me and people listening here, you may choose to be part of a company and that is absolutely fine. If you're an entrepreneur, that's fine, but just know, continue to reinvent yourself. Don't be so comfortable with the status quo because a disruption is going to come into your life, even AI. Don't be fearful of it, but just know that, you know, if you can just continue to learn and evolve and change and live what you want to do, don't worry about the disruption because you're developing yourself. You will be prepared for the next thing that comes your way. So the work you do, your insights, I love the way you think, but let's bring it to a practical purpose. So your work now, you've written a book. Who are the people that you're trying to connect with to help them better prepare for the future and not be so disruptive? So who are you looking to connect with? It's a whole spectrum. In fact, when I was writing the book, uh, Deb, I created um, a beta group and I selected 15 people from uh, five continents covering nine countries. And they aged from Gen Zer all the way to baby boomers. And it was fascinating for me because I would, as, as I would write chapters, I would send it out to them and I would try to gauge which chapter is appealing to who. And by the time I finished writing all of the 14 chapters that I have in the book, it became very clear to me that uh, there is something for everybody, whether you are just starting out your career or whether you are just ending your career and wanting to start a new chapter in your life as a freelancer, as a baby boomer, there's something in for you, whether you are a mid-level manager aspiring to be part of a C-suite, or you are a CEO trying to navigate through these disruptions that are coming our way, you will find some nuggets that you can very quickly apply into your job. So it's about educating and inspiring. I love your work. And the work you're doing is inspirational. Again, reinvent yourself, be prepared for the future. Don't worry about what the happens in the future, but continue to learn and grow. But 
your voice. Your voice is very compelling to listen to. It's very soothing. You have this mentoring way about yourself, but I am going to flip the switch a little bit. And what or who has inspired you over the years? Because the work you're doing is very purposeful, but who has inspired you? Well, it starts with our parents. Uh, In my case, I saw my parents struggling while they were raising three kids. Uh, My father had to stop his school when he was 14 years old because his father passed away. And he is a self-made man in a small town in India where nobody spoke English. He put himself through self-learning. Talk about passion for lifelong learning. This man has it. He self-taught himself how to speak in English. He found a job, the first one in his family, to have a professional career. When he retired, he was managing some 200 people under him. He was an award-winning executive. He's 83 years old today, Deb, and he's not stopping. He has what I call the purple star on eBay, and he sells and buys these rare coins from around the world. So when I talk to him, I get inspired to not ever stop learning. My mother, another incredible woman, you know, she's the first one in my family to have master's degree in Hindi or national language in India. And uh, she was going to school. She was teaching while she was raising three kids. So when I look at my parents, I think they became my biggest mentors because I saw firsthand what it means to dedicate yourself to lifelong learning, to education, and to giving back to the community. Uh, so they, And then along uh, my career, I'm uh, so fortunate to having had the chance to work with Charlie Ergen, the chairman of Dish Network. Uh, he was probably the toughest person I worked with, but I learned so much from him because every time I met with him, I would have a knot in my stomach. I would almost want to throw up because he was so tough. But at the same time, I would walk away from that meeting thinking, oh my God, how come I didn't think about that perspective that he brought to the table? So by the time I spent six years at Dish Network, I knew I can go to any company in the world and it would be a breeze because I had survived the toughest work environment when it came to a very demanding boss. So I thank him for that. I had the opportunity to work with uh, a very kind but extremely demanding boss here in the Philippines, Mani Pangilinan. He is the chairman of PLDT. And he took a chance on me. I left my career with Teletech, one of the companies out of the US. And he gave me the opportunity to become a CEO of SPI Global and then uh, Inspiro. But he showed me that it is so important to care about your employees. There's a word here in the Filipino language called malasakit. It means genuine care and concern for your employees. So over the last 10 years, that's what I've done. I have been able to combine what I learned from Charlie Ergen, being very tough and asking the tough questions, but coming from a place of compassion and telling people that you're asking tough questions because you care for them and because you care for the company. So I'm just mesmerized by this conversation here because, I mean, I know there are good senior executives. I know there are amazing companies, but there are so many that just becomes a transaction. It's about shareholder value. It's about achieving the result. It's about getting market share. And sometimes we forget the human. I talk about it in my book that's coming out in August, the CEO's compass, and there's just an element of people. And while we 
go through the tactical things in an organization of performance reviews and metrics, you know, it just sometimes lacks that, as you say, compassion for the person to really just say, you know, let's just not have our weekly one-to-one. Let's just say, how are you doing? How are you feeling? There's just something so powerful because unless you bring that to the workplace, and again, I grew up in a generation, 80s, 90s, where, you know, it's like, don't let them see you sweat. Don't show your emotions. You need to conform and be able to execute and work many hours. But you know what? I think we forgot ourselves in the process. And I think the more that we can be human, acknowledge the person, it is so much more of an investment. It is actually probably less expensive than sending people out for training or hiring consultants when we can lead with compassion and elevate them and their mindset. So I just, (laughs) I love these conversations with people like yourself. But who are you looking to connect with now? Because obviously you've had a glorious career. You're now giving back. You're writing some books. You're doing some podcasting. But if somebody wanted to connect with you, who would be the ideal person that you would want to connect with now to do purposeful work? Because you've had it all. You've had a great life so far, a great career. But who do you want to connect with now? Anyone who is passionate about the future. Anybody who is super excited about thriving over the next 10 years, irrespective of their age, their gender, their nationality. A lot of my podcasting is about, uh, as you mentioned, I just recently launched the podcast called The Future Proof Leader. Uh, And I, just like you, uh, Deb, I seek out people who are doing interesting work. And as soon as you are ready to publish your book, I'm excited to have you on my podcast as well to talk about, you know, what you bring to the table. But anybody who is interested in making the most of what the future has to hold. And I, I sincerely believe if there was ever the best time for someone to be alive, it's now. There's so much we can do. I mean, this is the perfect time to bring out our creativity, bring out the essence of who we are as humans, sing our song and get paid for it. Because a lot of the mundane work is now being done by AI and the technology. It frees up our time to come up with new ideas, come up with exciting ideas to live our passion to uh, follow our bliss, as people say. So anybody who is interested in making the most out of their uh, future, you know, reach out to me through my website, www.maulikparek.com. And there you will see all my social media handles and I would love to have you guys tag along. Thank you. I just want to thank you so much. You know, when I listen to this, while we... You know, we didn't get into any specific case studies about future-proofing your career, how you've helped specific leaders, but I don't think we needed to go there with this conversation. I think just getting people to think differently, just pause and reflect. We're coming out of a pandemic, and I know I don't like to date these conversations, but, you know, we have been in a disruption, but just know we're going to continue to be part of disruptions. We don't know when they're come, but when you talk about future-proofing your career, it's that one thing we can do to control the environment. We can control ourselves, educate, be smarter. And you know what? The one thing that doesn't change is humanity. If we know how to intersect and interface with humanity, we should be able to navigate whatever disruption. Hopefully, we'll be the disruptors versus being disrupted. That's right. I love this conversation. Thank you so much for being an amazing guest, imparting your knowledge and your thoughts. I know people who are listening, please check out Malik's work. We'll have everything in the show notes. He's an amazing human doing some fantastic work. Learn from him and hopefully you'll be the one that disrupts the future. Thank you so much for being an amazing guest. Thank you very much, Deb, for having me. Really appreciate this opportunity. 
Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass Assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.